0: that tonight i'm feeling so
1: Fellow slaves of the global plantation. We've got some kind of a background audio. Colin, have you got some headphones there, mate? Or Simon, perhaps? Yeah, uh, you've got a, you've got the live stream running there on a link, and you need to close that while you're on the show, guys. Uh, just to uh, clear that one up. All right. So, welcome. Ladies, gentlemen, fellow slaves of the global Plantation, the Vinnie Eastwood Show is bad news. It's like the news, but worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show. But the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists is Vinny's jokes. And my very special guests joining me today from all around the world are the the lovely and enigmatic Ellen Brown from uh, Web of Debt, Simon Thorpe and Colin Maxwell from here in New Zealand. Uh, as well, and Simon's uh, coming at us live from Europe. So it's a truly international effort here tonight on the Vinnie Eastwood Show, this being the last broadcast on the Republic Broadcasting Network, which we've been uh, broadcasting on for most of the year, and I'm incredibly grateful to uh, have been uh, given access to the platform for free, but they've found somebody to pay for the airtime instead, so they've made a financial decision, and I completely uh, accept and support that decision because at the end of the day, hey man, we all got to pay bills (laughs) can't tell the truth and whatnot but fortunately i've got another network picking me up uh, uh- Right after this week in the exact same time slot uh, at uh, Ground Zero dot Radio. So next week, this time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be on a new network, and I'm very grateful for you to uh, all be following us there. Now, my very special guests, as I've uh, already introduced, the topic for tonight is the public banking final solution. Now, a lot of people may be confused because economic, economists have uh, basically a think, made a concerted effort over uh, various decades to convolute the language and the ideas of the financial system. This is also a methodology that people who engage in fraud and hustling do, for a very good reason. When you're engaging in a fraud and a hustle, you get people very angry with you. So if they don't understand that they're engaged in a fraud and a hustle, you get to continue doing it without very much public backlash because people don't even have a language to describe what you're doing to them because they don't recognize it. They think to themselves, oh, this just doesn't make sense. It does make sense if you're a criminal psychopath. Now, the banking system as we currently know it, is a consortium of private and international banking things run by all these uh, families, but it's a side issue. The The key point here is, what is the mechanism by which these people create money? And the answer is, out of thin effing air. They're able to create money out of thin air. Now, I'm not sure if anybody knows the coupling of the words bribery and corruption, but without much bribery... There can't really be all that much corruption, can there? And when you've got a certain group of people who have unlimited money, there's no limit to the amount of bribery that they can commit, is there? Therefore, if you look at not just the banking system, but corruption across the entire Western world, be that private contracting, which is twice as expensive as doing in-house, or money disappearing trillions in the trillions the day before 9-11. But anyway, these things can really only be accomplished because of the way the banking system currently works. And if there is this central problem, private banks as being able to create money up out of thin air like a magic trick – and stuff that isn't backed by anything, what is the solution? Is it gold-backed or whatever? No, 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 no. It's very simple, actually. The same mechanism, and this is a very important principle here, the same principle that is being employed by the banksters to commit scumbaggery can be employed by those who love truth and liberty and freedom. And so... What we do here is we come up with this system whereby you can create money up out of thin air, but instead of charging people interest for it and taxing them for it, you can instead allow that money to be paid without interest. That way, you're just creating money and people are benefiting from it without being enslaved by it without a profit motive, that they have for all of those people who engage in greed and corruption and bribery. And the three specialists that we have here tonight in their own fields are adept in the discussion that we're trying to have was exactly how we can implement this public banking solution which it will annex the vast majority of corrupt activities, regardless of their scope and regardless of their direction, worldwide. We do this here, and everything else in the world falls by the wayside in terms of the banksters. Start small at first and grow larger and larger until it takes the country back. That's the idea behind this discussion. Alan Brown, I'd like to uh, welcome you to the show and uh, opening uh, comments and and statements, if you please.
2: Thanks, Vinny. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, Of course, banks have been, or I should say bankers or financiers, have been creating money, going all the way back to the goldsmiths of at least, well, going back farther than that, but let's say going back to the 17th century goldsmiths 17th century, yeah, that, who took people's gold for safekeeping and gave them little promissory notes that were, you know, gold certificates, and people wanted to borrow the, the gold, but they borrowed the gold certificates because it was a lot more convenient to carry around these little pieces <laughs> of paper than to actually around the gold. Or
1: to uh, uh, one second, uh, Colin, we're having a little bit of feedback on, on your end. Would you be able to mute your microphone uh, there just while, while, while we're not speaking? Please, thank you. Sorry, go ahead, Alan. hope it's not mine. I've, I've had that
2: problem before, but
1: I don't know how to... No, it's good, it's good. Uh, you're talking about the promissory notes in, in exchange for... Yeah, really okay, are.
2: so... Um, Our system goes back to, well, it's called fractional reserve banking. So, basically, the banks only have a certain amount of gold. Originally, it was gold. Now, it's just reserves, which are something created by the central banks. But originally, it was gold, and they figured out that they could lend 10 times as many paper notes as they actually had gold on average because um, people only came for their gold about 10% of the time. Uh,
1: uh, okay. well, yeah, it's still. yeah, there's. Uh, who, who is that? Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely Colin. Oh, we just need to mute you, bro. I'll turn my I'll turn my mic off. Um, no, uh, no, you don't want to do that. Just, just. Uh, there's a little mute button on the uh, on the Skype. There, it's just sort of, uh, oh, that's okay. all it is. Yes, easy peasy, mate. All right. So, uh, with that being said, we've got uh, now the uh, the background of it. So, uh, let's go to uh, Simon Thorpe. There, Simon, go right ahead, brother.
3: Okay. Well, I think uh, you uh, just a couple of numbers. The uh, amount of debt. There's a thing called the Global Debt Monitor, uh, which just came out with the latest figures: three hundred seven trillion. Dollars of debt in the world. It is, this is bringing together everything: governments, businesses, and individuals. Uh, I'm getting getting a, a slowed down version as well. Well, it's um,
1: because you've got a live stream on a web browser somewhere going. Yeah, you, you opened the link and it's playing in the background there. That's That'll be uh, the interference. So if you just go to your web browser and close all web browsers and just leave the Skype open, that should resolve the problem.
3: Okay. Except that I think...
1: Well, wait, if I may, while you're, while you're trying to do that, um, you might have... Uh, uh, Chrome or uh, Firefox or something open and uh, all you're going to do is just uh, find it and uh, close it and that'll resolve the issue. Uh, have you seen closed
3: down Firefox. Yeah, okay. We should have done this earlier on, I think. Okay, <laughs> right sorry, then. i take your
0: um, Go right so, ahead.
3: So the, here, two things I wanted to say. $307 trillion, this has actually doubled since the financial crash. How, can this, how is this possible? This is because banks are just creating more and more debt. They, uh, every time the French government runs out of money, uh, they go and say, uh, we need another 10 billion euros, and the money magically appears. Um, it, uh, they go to, to talk to 14 different banks who just produce the money, and they charge interest on it. And so, as a taxpayer, I am now liable for nearly 3 trillion euros of debt, Um and there was a very interesting article in the Economist um, uh, uh, earlier on this year, that, where they actually cal- calculated the cost of interest payments. Currently, it's, it was last year; it was like thirteen trillion dollars US dollars in uh, in interest payments. Uh, and it 's going up because all the interest rates have been climbing in every every country, and they anticipate that in a couple of years it'll be eighteen trillion dollars every year of interest payment that 's money that all of us have to find to um, to uh, to just feed this sort of enormous tapeworm which is basically feeding itself from us uh, and and there's no need to do this because and as Ellen has very brilliantly written in her book on public banking you could have essentially public banks doing the money creation process and then the you can pay interest if you like but it gets fed back into the into the system and 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 New Zealand and uh, in your book ellen it's beautifully demonstrated New Zealand and Australia and Canada had a, a really really wonderful time in the sort of from the 30s through to the you know early 70s where everything worked fine because there were public banks and they all got closed down basically and, and so um, uh, that's the solution it's it's to take away from commercial banks the right to create money out of thin air and uh, and charge interest on it because uh, it's not going that pile of debt is not going to decrease at all it's getting worse and worse all the time because the interest is just accumulating and so th- th- that's the public public banking solution in, in a nutshell it's just um governments would never borrow money from a, a bank because they don't actually have the money they lend you they just say oh yeah they have another another 10 billion and uh yeah, that's 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 the that's the nutshell but that's uh, that's but, 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 basically what, what what can i just say one thing why is this very difficult to do? Well, obviously, if you're raking in $13 trillion every year in interest payments, which is what the banking system effectively doing, some of it gets handed on to other people. But you can pay all the politicians, all the journalists, all the econo- economists, and that's why you never hear about this, because basically the media and politicians and economists are controlled by the people who are raking in the interest. That's why it's for, going to be difficult for it.
1: And that's that's again um, one of the main discussion points here is let's say we've got the solution we do have the solution the uh, the key is the implementation. All right. I I mean, I I see lots of people uh, uh, doing their court cases and and things of that nature, and and they're hoping to win their cases against people that we know don't follow their own rules and make up the laws as they go along and are serving corrupt interests, right? We're bashing our heads against a a brick wall. So the public banking solution has to have an implementation solution. And this idea that we were having a discussion with uh, Colin. And, uh earlier on uh, a precursor to this broadcast is about uh, setting up a public bank small scale or even a private bank small scale that adopts certain uh, principles like this and the question is how does the banking software work how do you actually physically set up a bank to do this? And could it be done small scale, people voluntarily uh, participating into it so that when we get into the next election, we may have actually a a New Zealand loyal brand uh, bank uh, that's actually associated with it? Things like this. These are the ideas that we were talking about. Colin, uh, if you'd like to unmute now, uh, I'd like to hear from you on this. Because we've just done the uh, New Zealand Loyal campaign and they got about one uh, percent of uh, the party vote, and the one percent public tax uh, uh, was a big issue point for them. And Colin was uh, helped a significant <laughs> amount with that. Now, Colin, on on Skype, there is a mute button. There's a, a little camera symbol with a red uh, line through it, and you need to click that button in order to unmute yourself. Yeah, can you hear me now, Benny? Yes, I can. All right, go take it away, Colin. Yeah. I think Alan um, summarised it beautifully. I think she wrote an
4: a, um, opinion piece for the New York Times back in 2013, and I'll just quote that because I think it just sums up the whole thing. Banking, money, and credit are not market goods, but are market infrastructure, just as roads and bridges are physical infrastructure. So in other words, why on earth is um, banking and money not run as a public utility for the good of of all society? And um, none of this is new, as Ellen said before. This goes back centuries. And um, sometimes it's a crisis that actually um, brings all this out. And there's another quote from William King, the Prime Minister of Canada in 1935. Once, Once a nation parts with the control of its currency and credit, it matters not who makes the nation's laws. Usually, once in, a, in control, will wreck any nation. So that was William King, Canada, 1935. So uh, it's just my impression is we've got another huge um, crisis looming that'll probably make the 1930s uh, crash look like a, a Sunday school picnic. So um, I'm sort of thinking that this crisis will hasten some of these... Um, um, solutions um, greatly in the very near future. I really can't see these fiat. These um, the, the problem. With all of our all of our main currencies are, are, are fiat currencies that rely on selling government bonds, and that that whole bond market now is in the. Um, it, it, it's a disaster waiting to happen, as far as I'm concerned. So, what, what, what are those, um, are those Western main Western currencies? Um, um, what are they based on? Basically, the fact that that they, they haven't been able to sell their debt in terms of government bonds, and I, I just see that coming to an end. So, I don't, I don't see all this lasting until the presidentials in 2024, to be honest, but that's just my personal opinion.
1: Thanks. Thanks, uh, Vinny. No worries. So the... Uh, element that we need to get into the equation here is, of course, we've got so much corrupt individuals in the way of, of something like this. I mean, goodness knows what kind of plans and schemes that they have for uh, the derailment of some kind of people in, engaging in the public sector. So, uh, with that, is there experience that we can draw upon and the opposition of public banking uh, that we can really help uh, the new people that are trying to fight this fight to? learn from their elders we'll be right back after the break you listen to the vinnie eastwood show at the vinnie eastwood com. lovely being on the republic broadcasting network last time ladies and gentlemen we'll see you soon
5: Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth-ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else, tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD 602-799-8214.
1: Show that's all about keeping your Luftwaffe aloft. It's the Vinny Eastwood Show, broadcasting live on republicbroadcasting uh, dot org. For the last time today, ladies and gentlemen, next week we'll be going shifting uh, uh, over to the uh, Ground Zero Radio Network at uh, groundzero dot radio. So thank you so much for those of you uh, to want to continue following the show uh, over there. Now my very special guest, uh, Colin. Alan and uh, Simon and talking about the public banking solution. And and I want to uh, advise people that anybody who goes into a form of activism against criminal psychopaths should expect resistance when you're trying to bring them to justice. But there's a, there's a rule. Okay. If you want to go and end a psychopath, bring two body bags, one for you and one for them. These people do not go down willingly and so I want to know, have you guys experienced even the tail end of what these people are capable of when you start exposing them? Okay. Uh, Ellen, would you like to go first there?
2: Um, personally, no. But, of course, we've got many groups in the U.S. working to get public banks established, and we we always come up against the big banks, and you know, we get a lot of pushback. Politicians are obviously listening to somebody else. But I personally have never been threatened or felt threatened.
1: Okay. And what about maligned? (laughs) Maligned, well, that's different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes. And, uh, well, I mean, I remember, uh, what was his name? Uh, Andrew Jackson, the... uh, President of the United States, who uh, famously uh, killed the bank. That was that was his, uh, 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 one of his uh, deathbed uh, successes. And I recall that, and, and I think this is a general principle when you're fighting for the right thing, although your enemies come for you, uh, chance, it seems, or fate seems to help you out as well. For example, Andrew Jackson being against the private banks, they have sent an assassin with two Pistols to assassinate him, and both of those pistols misfired. Like a one yeah. in a million, one in a million uh, type chance. And the, I think the complexity of banking and uh, the difficulty of implementing the solution because people, you know, how people are tech phobic and they don't think of themselves as techno learning, they look at this. All of a sudden, this massive things about interest and uh, liquidity and so on and so forth. It's just this massive complex weave of things that's just not worth uh, 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 talking about. And, And what if there's actually a rubber meets the road solution for these people? How can we get this idea across that this stuff is actually relatively simple? Scumbags creating something out of nothing and enslaving you with it.
2: Well, and the whole idea that if that we too could do that—I mean, we could own the banks and we could generate—well, um, what is currency? What is money really? It's a—it's a receipt for goods and services. So, if the government issues it, that was what um, in was it 1691? I think the first American—that was actually the governor of uh, the colony of New York was dealing with a small border war, and he didn't have any money to pay his soldiers. So he got the bright idea of just printing little receipts, acknowledging service that, you know, that they had, they were entitled to these receipts, and then the receipts traded in the, in the community as money. And that was the beginning of the paper money of the American colonists, or the whole idea of you, so anyway, it seems to me if if you're talking about doing something on the local level, starting at the local level, that does seem to be where uh, you can approach your local politicians. You can actually, you know, get to know them. You can get things done. And it's and in the U.S. states under the Constitution cannot issue their own currencies, but cities can. So you could have like a local city community currency. That was issued by through a city public bank, let's say, that was backed. The currency would be backed by goods and services. Again, it would be a matter of issuing this currency in return for goods and services delivered. Or you can. You, originally, there were there were two types of backing of um, dollar bills in the 19th century in the U.S. One was by gold but there are also uh, local banks that backed their currencies with what was called real bill bills and these were not something that you could leverage that you could make 10 of instead of one i mean a real bill was good for a certain amount of goods and s- or services and that was it so there was one bill for one you know shipment of goods and whoever had the bill got the got the goods and you could do that now and there are to do that sort of thing, like a community currency that's backed by a future pr- payment. It's basically a future promise to pay.
1: One moment, please, Alan. We'll come into break and we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Alan Brown, Simon Thorpe, and Colin Maxwell talking about the bu- public banking final solution at the Vinnie Eastwood Show.com. Back in just a moment. To my
0: feet i was a sacrificial lamb all part of the land they sacrificed me i want the truth you can't handle the truth
1: you're listening to republic broadcasting network
5: real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth
6: here at republic broadcasting network we have been building our online store While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us.
5: 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting extendabyte Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too.
6: Easeoff LLC. Four one seven nine three two six four one nine.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the fastest hour and talk radio. It's the Vinny Eastwood Show at the dot com. It's a listener supported broadcast been going for nearly fifteen years now, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm not some Johnny come lately. There is experience and there is knowledge to be had from listening to this show for a long period of time. You will listen to people that you've never heard of who are talking about things you never thought you were interested in, and it helps to give you a massive overlay, a great perspective by which to see more clear. We stand on the shoulders of giants so that we might see farther. My very special guests, Alan, Simon and Colin, welcome back. And, uh, I, I, woo, 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 and we were just coming off of the break there. We were talking about the uh, issuance of local municipal currencies as a first step in the taking back of the public banking sector. And of course, there is legislation in the United States that Alan uh, alluded to that is basically capable of doing such a thing as perhaps a, a city city ordinance, if I, if I may be so crass as to call it that. Uh, and then do similar things work elsewhere? And has anybody actually managed to implement this in, in a municipality? And specifically, what is the actual process? I mean, do we we need a, a press and we need a a, a, a some kind of public coffer or, or or something of that nature is there anything actually digital involved in the issuance of the uh public currency in this manner
2: it, well it is actually the the digital cryptocurrencies that make all this possible i mean make something new possible that we never could do before which is you could have community currencies all around the world that can trade with each other uh, through cryptocurrency, Simon might know, know more about that. So it, that sounds like what you've gotten into lately, right?
3: You know. Uh, so maybe I I, I could uh, comment that. You know, I think there are lots of possibilities of moving forward uh, with alternatives. The real problem is that they don't get discussed. Uh, the, we, we we are given the system which which exists, the one that is is costing. Thirteen trillion in in interest payments, and it's just stupid. Uh, but anybody who tries to suggest any any alternative, sort of, basically, doesn't get any bandwidth. And uh, one of the options that I, I'm into, into, I'm not I'm not a big bl- blockchain fan. I think that's just uh, that's uh, 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 well, it, it proves that you can you can get out of the standard banking tran- uh, transaction system. But one other possibility, which could be done. Everywhere is to use a what I call an IOU-based network. So basically, you don't actually need money. Um, if if two people want to do a transaction, and I give you a you know it's a, a, um, ten kilograms of apples, and you send me an IOU in return, then that's actually a, a viable transaction. Um, you can you can. You can make that IOU in anything you like—in New Zealand dollars, in US dollars, in euros, or whatever. But you don't actually need the money to do it. So you could have literally a system where um, I could run it from here. I could just have a sort of uh, create a uh, a big sort of Excel sheet with with a for everybody on the planet a sort of uh, a, a login, uh, and those people could send IOUs around. They don't actually need any money to use at all. It's just it would be a public log of who owes what to who. And the great thing is that when you get, you know, if I owed uh, Ellen, you know, $100 and Ellen owes Colin $100 and Colin owns uh, Vinnie $100 and Vinnie owes me $100, that all cancels out. And so you could have the software um just continuously looking for loops you'd have 8 billion people in this thing and and it would be looking for loops in this system every time you find a loop you just remove the smallest value in that loop everywhere that system could replace all con- uh, conventional debt based money with interest uh, and it could be it could be done in any local community you could just set it up it literally would would require you know, just a uh, computer connected to the internet. But if you wanted to do it on the worldwide basis, you could. It would require, you know, organizing this across a, a, a cross countries. So that's one of the one of the ideas which could work. There's no reason why it wouldn't work, except that nobody talks about it. That's ah, interesting. I'm glad you like it, Ellen.
2: <laughs> well, I'm wondering if you've written it up, because I didn't totally follow it, but it does sound promising.
3: Okay, so I, I did – I gave – I've given a few sort of YouTube talks about this. So probably the latest one is one called AI, Technological Unemployment and UBI, where I actually go into explaining this. It's one of the, thing, the things – the other things that work very well, by the way, are financial transaction taxes, and that's something that Colin uh, and I were talking about last week because there was a move in in New Zealand to introduce a financial transaction tax – which, um, if you uh, applied, I mean, there are another sort of thing that you discover when you look into the details. There's something like 15.9 trillion, no quadrillion dollars of transactions every year, and those are just the visible ones. If you tax that uh, at 0.1%, you could effectively get rid of all the other taxes because it just will generate huge amounts of money that you could. Used to pay for UBI, or you know, let's just do things like solving climate change, or things like this. The things that we really need to do could be done. I mean, would I object to paying 0.1 percent on everything I, every transaction I make? No, it'd be a lot less than paying, um, uh, 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 you know, sales taxes and things like this. But because you know, there's six trillion dollars in foreign exchange every day, then uh, that would sort of uh, take off uh, money from from the financial monster and and it could be put into people 's pockets that's, that's, uh, that's another pretty straightforward thing that nobody uh, has talked about except in New zealand uh, so I was very pleased to hear that this was actually on the programme of the, this political Party that Colin could tell us about, which only got one percent of the vote, unfortunately. But that's an incredibly sensible thing to do. Much better than taxing income or or or, uh, or profits and things like this. So you could just get rid of those taxes and and and, uh, and use a financial transaction tax, very low level. Right. So.
0: in town. Eins, zwei, eins, zwei, drei, vier!
1: He was accused uh, by his uh, political um, cohorts of, of dumbing things down. Uh, to which he replied, "Why do you always want to complicate up?" That's the uh, the essence that we're uh, trying to get through here. Is that the uh, reason why people don't understand the system and and what's happening there? Is because it is complex and there's too many words. Like if it's two words on a billboard that you're driving past at 100 miles an hour and you can read it and understand it, people will be able to get behind it on mass. So it's simply a uh, a crafting tool. We've got the uh, the engineers and the uh, the scientists and and things of that nature that create the product, but then they've got to have somebody that goes out there and sells the product. So selling the this product, selling the public banking system uh, to the public must be, of course, uh, the next logical phase in this channel, how to make it relatable, how to make it simple, how to make it easy to understand. And we saw uh, with that conversation, didn't we, Colin, that the 1% financial transaction tax, or even a 0.1%, as uh, Simon was saying uh, there before, is something that could work, And the idea itself is potentially simple enough so that it could become so simplified that people would be able to get it. Now, you talked about pushback and all of these paid off media people and so on and so forth. How exactly do we subvert that process when they control what people's eyes and ears are exposed to?
2: People seem to be more and more open to alternative media, though. So that's your—that's th- you. All
1: right, all right. This is this is my problem. All right, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm <laughs> now I've, I've figured out the answer to the question. What's the solution to all of this? It's me, and now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Colin, I'd like you to talk about New Zealand loyal for a second because, of course, um, t- attaching these policies to a, a political vehicle, I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether or not it's been done before or how, how successful it's uh, it's actually been. So uh, how did you really get this uh, kind of policy in there, Colin, if you want to uh, unmute there? Um, yeah, not, go ahead. Yeah, good question, Vinny. Um, Basically,
4: it's sort of been it's sort of been covered before and Ellen actually covered it in her book about the old uh, social credit model in New Zealand. Of course, social credit's now a dirty word, you can't really name a a party that. But at one at one stage, way back in my local electorate back in the uh sixties, they actually won a seat here and they had they had representation in Parliament, so um, that was based on the old C. H. Douglas um, model. That was a Scottish engineer. Once again, he wasn't a, an economist; he was an engineer. But he seemed to run rings around all the other economists that most of them that I've heard of. And that was basically um, this social credit system, the, the old definition. So. None of this is new, and that that movement lasted in New Zealand till the 80s, and it actually got about 20 percent, or just over 20 percent, of the popular vote. But it's the same old story with attrition and what you guys are talking about. And how these systems get get um, hammered to death. They gradually lost their support, and they, I think, in 2020, they were languishing down at about 0.01 uh, percent of the of the um, of the of support and since then they've deregistered. So basically that, that movement's died in New Zealand. But it it, it was a system that, that was um, just as viable then as it was today. But the the main hurdle seems to be or the default from the average New Zealander is oh it's so simple it couldn't possibly work. And if it was that simple it would be done before and they just switch off. So that's the that's the um, the um, the difficulty. Uh, New Zealand loyal because that was their main. They, they, they had a, a really a really um, incredibly courageous uh, econ- um, e- economy uh, policy, economic policy, and that the cornerstone of that was the financial transaction tax. So that that sort of started the conversation again, but in conjunction with public banking, or Alan calls it public banking solution, which I think is the, the best name. Other people call it public banking uh, utility. So the two things are incredibly powerful when you use them together. So a country like New Zealand, within two years of them implementing both those things, that we could be rolling in, in money. We could be a, an economic like miracle, a, a model for the world. But most New Zealanders don't want to know about it and we and uh, as um vinnie said uh, that that party New Zealand world only got one point one five percent of the popular vote um but i didn't think it was a i didn't think it was an election i thought it was a new zealand i q test and we failed it
1: miserably so that's my to, to put this into context um however this is a party that got one point One five, what was it? 1.15 percent of the vote, and they got registered as a party during the election campaign. All right, as in, they had about maybe a month or two or three max to go out there and campaign. And they still pulled that. There are mm-hmm. registered parties like the uh, the Legalised Cannabis Party here who's been uh, uh, going since 1996, I believe, and they regularly pull about 0.3% without terribly much effort. And this uh, uh, massive kind of... Push right at the at the last minute to reach over over one percent is actually incredibly encouraging. Let's also uh, think about the uh, the context here, uh, whereby there were a number of other freedom parties. I, be- I believe there was a total of eight running in that election. So in terms of the freedom vote metric, it actually tripled over the between uh, election cycles towards freedom oriented parties rather than other ones. So it could be the beginning of something bigger. Simon, go right.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, to people in New Zealand, you are in a wonderful place for trying radical things. You've got your, you know, you've got your own economy. It's pretty well isolated from other places. In Europe, it's totally impossible. You know, France can't do anything. We've got the Lisbon Treaty, which stops uh, governments borrowing from their own, you know, from central banks. There are all sorts of things which basically make it impossible to change the system. New Zealand is the perhaps the place on the planet where you could do something really original. And I think the thing to do possibly before anything else is to have a really open debate where all the different options are um, listed. And you get the bankers coming in and saying, why is it sensible that you create the money supply as interest-bearing debt? Why is that better than the government creating the money uh, as interest-bearing debt, which, which is used to pay tax, to avoid paying taxes, or whatever? There are lots and lots of different things you could do. Financial transaction taxes are one of them, an IOU net type thing, um, uh, and, and so on. So, I would say that that would be my recommendation. You know, uh, uh, have a. A, a wide ranging There are lots of possible solutions, but they never get talked about. And and, and I would I, I'm going to give Ellen a plug. Her book on public banking has a chapter on New Zealand, because New Zealand, along with other Commonwealth countries, had a great period where they the, basically the government had there the was a public uh, public banking system. Uh, uh, read that 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 chapter, and you will realize just what you lost when you let the the, the international banking conglomerate come in and say oh no 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 it's much better to let us lend you the money and charge interest radio of course it is for them it's not good for people in new zealand so that, that that's i think you know and that uh, and, and new zealand as i say could be the the, the best place to do this because you have a, a relatively uh isolated system which is not too connected with everything else and you could do it on your own go for it <laughs>
1: That being being said, of course, New Zealand is a centre for uh, world money laundering, uh, whereby uh, the Panama paper leaks, I believe, mention New Zealand 66,000 times as a, a centre for money laundering worldwide. So I'm pretty sure that the bankers have relatively a strong hold here because New Zealand, as I refer to it, is basically the Cayman Islands of the South Pacific. These mountains we have to climb, the hurdles we have to overcome, and New Zealanders, unfortunately, have an average IQ of 95. So this is due to world records, and to put that into perspective for people, the average IQ of people in North Korea, communist North Korea, is 110. Okay? Those kids can take apart and reassemble a rifle blindfolded. You know what New Zealand kids can do? They can watch TikTok. <laughs> okay, we're in we're in trouble here, folks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you can change you can change your eco, economic system. I don't think people in North Korea can do it very easily.
1: <laughs> you know, you're probably right there. You know, there's a we we can all be winners. They say. Um. So it's, in terms of Oh, go ahead, Ellen.
2: It's actually the shadow banking system that's even worse than the conventional ban- banking system because in the shadow banking system you can leverage at thirty to one or forty to one. I mean, that's what they did in the Great Recession. Lehman Brothers, I think, was leveraging at thirty to one. So, and they're not actually banks; they're just they're using collateral as the alternative to uh, FDIC insurance. I guess you're done. <laughs> okay, bye.
1: Oh guys, Uh, it's been a a pleasure, an honour and I will never forget this show. Until I do the next one. Thank you guys so much for <laughs> for being with me today. Uh, we're, we're just a, a bunch of whinging, whining bastards and and, and girls, aren't we? And uh, Tom. You know? Yes, yeah, so
0: we'll,
1: uh, we'll 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 uh, uh, leave the limeys uh, to to the uh, to the lime green uh, cash dispensing uh, uh, ATMs in your in your local vicinity. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, you need to at least use cash because once they have a full digital currency, they can just turn your bank accounts off. And uh, then we're all done. With, with that cheery note, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.
6: I'm going to have a wiki leg. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Food's primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking.